Well, some years back, I was performing a wedding for a young couple from my church, former church, and they invited me to the reception afterwards, which was some distance away, and I was going to pray a blessing there and share in those festivities. They told me the name of the hotel, uh, but I didn't know the exact location where the reception was going to be held. So I picked up the phone, and this was the days before GPS or navigation systems, so I called the front desk at the hotel, and I simply asked. I knew it was somewhere near 83 and I-55, over there someplace. I said, is your hotel uh, on the north side of I-55, or is it on the south side of I-55? And the hotel desk person said, without hesitating, well, if you're coming from the east, it's on the south side. If you're coming from the west, it's on the north side. And I said, um, well, you have a magic hotel, it moves, depending on, I just simply said thank you and hung up and called and got a different person there that actually knew where the hotel was. You see, the desk clerk was sincere, genuine, and being honest, but she was sincerely mistaken. What she told me neither helped me nor did it make any sense whatsoever. <clears throat> Excuse me. The question that we're considering together today in this fourth segment of the Explore God series is, is Christianity too narrow? We're going to consider this question from a number of different angles that I think will help all of us get more clarity and understanding how to answer that question, especially when people who don't yet believe in Jesus ask that or think that. Questions naturally kick up, though, <clears throat> such as how can Christians be so sure that their beliefs are better than others who believe different things. And others who might say, surely there must be many ways to reach heaven and to find acceptance with God. It, it only makes sense. Or some might say this, how can the followers of Jesus think they have the exclusive right to the truth that makes all other religions false? How can they be so narrow and exclusive? Well, we're going to see together today that in the gospel of Jesus and the invitation that it makes, that we are actually involved in the most inclusive, that's very inclusive to all kinds of people. God has given us the simplest and most direct way to know him and to make our way to heaven. When Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through means of me. He wasn't being narrow. He was simply making a statement of fact. The church didn't make up this idea. Christians didn't make up this idea. Jesus Christ stated it as a matter of fact. And Jesus is the only person that could possibly make a statement like that. You see, he grew up in heaven, you might say. He was forever in heaven. It was a real place to him. He didn't have to read a travel guide about it or a history book or even read the Bible to find out what heaven was like. He was there before the foundation of the world at the Father's side. He was directly involved in the creation of everything that we can know and feel and understand and touch in this world. He's the only person that could say, I have been in heaven. I'm talking about a real place. I know the God who created everything because I'm him and I can show you how to get there. That's not being narrow or exclusive. That's simply a matter of fact. He knew exactly what that uncreated domain of God was like and it would have been cruel for him to tell us any other way to get there. He would have been misleading or in fact, telling us untruth if he said anything but what he did say. 
No other religion ever founded on this earth or its founder could ever make the statement that Jesus Christ has made to us. Max Lucado put it so well when he said, all roads lead to heaven. Well, that sentence makes good talk show fodder, but does it make sense? Can all approaches to God be correct? How can all religions lead to God when they are so different? We don't tolerate such logic in other matters. We don't pretend that all roads lead to London or all ships sail to Australia or all planes don't land in Rome. Imagine your response to a travel agent who proclaims that they do. You tell them you need a flight to Rome. So he looks on the screen and he offers, well, there's a flight to Sydney, Australia at 6 a.m. Well, does it go to Rome, you ask? No, but it offers great food and movies. But I need to go to Rome, you say. He says, well, let me suggest Southwest Airlines. Southwest flies to Rome? No, but they win awards for on-time travel. Now you're getting frustrated. So you reiterate, I need one thing. I need an airplane to carry me to one place, Rome. The agent appears offended. Sir, all flights go to Rome. Well, it doesn't make any sense. Different flights have different destinations. Every flight does not go to Rome. And every path does not lead to God. Let me illustrate this a little different way. One night many years ago, not long after Carol and I had moved into our home in South Downers Grove, it's about 11 o'clock at night. She was long since fast asleep, and I'm up reading or studying something. I'm a night owl of sorts. And I hear some commotion by my front door. And so I get to the foyer of the house, and I hear some rattling. Someone's actually trying to break into my house, I think, at my front door. So before I called the police, I peeked through the living room window shears to see who was out there, and there was a man I didn't know with a set of keys, and he was trying to use one of those keys to open my deadbolt. And I suppose I could have sat there and watched him try for a little longer, but I decided to have a little mercy on him, and I opened the front door, much to his chagrin and his shock. He's wondering, who is this strange man in my house at this time of night? I simply turned on my porch light and said, there's my address. I'm not sure what house you're looking for, but it's not this one. The fact is, he had a set of keys, but he did not have the key to my door. He was probably thinking there's something wrong with his key, something wrong with my deadbolt, but he simply was trying to open my door with a key that was never going to work. He could have become frustrated. He could have become upset. He could have tried to break the door down, but his key was never going to work. Only one key was going to open my deadbolt, the key designed to open it. And this is the message of John chapter 14. It is God saying through Jesus, I'm going to make this very, very simple for all of you. There is no complexity to it at all. All you need is Jesus, period. End of story. Jesus is the singular key that opens the door to God and the door to heaven. And if you have him, you don't need anyone else or anything else. You see, God's intention was to make our salvation be a person, a singular person, God himself incarnate. He is the way because he knows the way, but Jesus is the way because he is the way himself. None of us would dare to say that we're the way to heaven. Our good deeds and our noble efforts aren't the way. We should be convinced of that by now. Our theology and our religious practices aren't the way either. In fact, nothing we ever think, do, or say 
will make a way for us to get into heaven. Martin Luther put it so well when he said this, the most damnable and pernicious heresy that has ever plagued the mind of man was the idea that somehow he could make himself good enough to deserve to live with an all-holy God. Another way I can explain this is that some years back I was making a hospital visit, as pastors often do, at Edward Hospital in Naperville. It's a pretty big complex there. And I was there visiting a patient who was not in the room, but they'd taken them to a test in another distant area of the hospital complex. I'd gotten directions to that area from three different hospital employees. And I found myself two levels below ground at a hallway that went nowhere, at a dead end. A hospital employee saw me down there and knew for sure I was lost and in the wrong place. He knew that just by telling me, well, take the first right and then the second left and then go up the stairs to the lobby, cross over to the gold elevators, go to the first floor and then go down 10 doors, go down five flights, I would never have figured it out. That's what the other people had told me. So instead of doing that, he simply said, come with me and I'll take you there. This kind soul went way out of his way. I don't know what he was doing in his office in that distant buried place in the Marbury. Probably wanted a break from staring at four walls down there. But he knew exactly how to take me where I needed to go. And he stuck with me every step of the way until I was in the care of those other, in the other situation, being able to offer the care I came to give. That is exactly what Jesus does for us as our Savior. He does not only give advice or direction, he takes us by the hand and leads us. He strengthens us, he guides us, and personally walks by our side. He doesn't just tell us about the way, he himself is the way. Now some would say that a single way is entirely too restrictive, but unfortunately that attitude fails to see the desperate state of the human condition. We have all fallen way short of God's plan and ideal for us. But the human rebellion can be seen so clearly. I'll use an example. We're like people on a commercial airliner that has lost power to all its engines, and it's certain to crash. When handed a parachute to jump to safety, the response is, I, I won't use this parachute. It's not the color I prefer, and it won't go with my outfit. And insisting they won't take it, they're going to find their own way to safety instead of taking the sure means being offered to them. Well, friends, Jesus is the only way to the Father, the only way anyone on earth can not just get to heaven, but get into the presence of the all-holy God and not be destroyed by him. All humans will face God when they die. All people, no exceptions. What Jesus is telling us is that he's the only one that can take us to meet the holy and righteous almighty one without the fear of being judged and condemned for our sins. All the adherents of every other religion on earth instituted by humans, all those who have no religious belief and those who have heard about Jesus and rejected him will in fact stand before the God we know, the one and only God almighty, the righteous and just judge. And all of them, each and every one, will stand there and be judged impartially by God himself with nothing to offer him but their failings, their faults, their flaws, and their sins, none of which will pass God's test and require him for joining him in his heaven. 
It is his heaven, after all. He gets to make the rules, you see, not us. But all humans who have believed and trusted in Jesus to pay for their sins, failings, faults, and flaws at the cross on Calvary, the very same kinds of flaws and sins that everyone else on earth commits, these people will be given a complete clean slate, forgiven for all their sins and welcomed gladly into heaven forever. Salvation, a place in God's heaven, is a gift. You can't earn it, you can't deserve it, and can't do anything to add to what Jesus is already offering. You see, no perfect people enter heaven, only forgiven ones. Apostle Peter puts it this way in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. He says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name than Jesus under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I want us to consider how inclusive and inviting the heart of the only God really is. Let's take a look at 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul says these words, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. You know, all people means all people. You can't be any more inclusive than that. It means every person on earth, all religious backgrounds, abject moral failures, sinners of all kinds and varieties. God desires, wants, longs for all people to be saved and to come to know the truth, and that truth is Jesus. All people also means you, and it means me. So what does God want us to do in response to that? Well, Jesus gives us that specific answer in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The action verb there is enter by God's provided way. Step into it with intentionality and purpose the one single door that's open to you, but human action is required. We need to stop wasting our time and jeopardizing our eternity playing around with other religions or ignoring God altogether, as so many do today. Get to safety now while the door is open. Turn to him and accept his gracious and magnanimous offer held out to us in Jesus. It's really that simple. John 3.16, probably equally as famous as John 14.6 we read a little while ago, says this, these words, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but that through, the world, through him to save the world. He didn't come in this world to condemn people. Do you hear that? Neither should any of us as his followers condemn people. 
but rather guide them patiently and encouraging them and point them gently to Jesus. God himself is very patient because he really doesn't want anyone to lose out on his salvation. He's keeping the door open after closing time, you might say, for you and for me. Peter captured this in 2 Peter chapter 3 when he said this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Please remember, narrow does not mean intolerant. God is inviting everyone to come to him by his means. Author and pastor Lee Strobel said these words, Christianity is unique. It cannot be reconciled with any other religion or religious system. It backs up its truth claims with the credentials and credibility of Jesus Christ, which cannot be duplicated by any other spiritual leader. That's why when Jesus said he was the way and the truth and the life, history does not laugh. History has been revolutionized by Jesus. Strobel goes on to say, in addition to not being narrow-minded, it is anything but snobbish for Christians to believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. For a Christian to act holier than thou is snobbish, but to believe that Jesus is the only way is not. You see, Christianity is the most inclusive religion on earth. Everyone who will can come. Men, women, children, older people, all races, all nationalities, Everyone can come. But God has given this amazing thing to every human on earth, a free will. Everyone is eligible to go to heaven in Christianity, but they have to want to. God does not force anyone to choose him. It's a free choice. He allows human beings to believe whatever they want to. He allows human beings to do whatever they want. He gives us a wide range of freedom of choice. It's amazing. But he is also a sovereign God, and he retains for himself the ability to choose and do whatever he wants. And he can choose who he is going to let into his eternal dwelling place called heaven. People that don't want to deal with him in this life don't have to. It's up to them. However, if people are interested in going to a place called heaven, then they have to do certain things God's way. God forces himself on no one. Nor should any Christian force the gospel or the message of Jesus on anyone either. So, summing it up here, Jesus is absolutely inclusive and makes his salvation available to every human being who will accept him and his offer. But he himself is the exclusive means of salvation that he offers. He's inclusive in allowing everyone to come who will, but it's an exclusive way to get into heaven. Really comes down to this. Either you want him or you don't. Many are making that choice even this moment. To choose him, to pursue him, to learn from him, to follow him, to grow in him, to prepare for heaven. Others don't want to do that right now. They want to do other things. The reality is with that freedom of choice comes consequence. We can choose blessing 
or we can choose the opposite of that. And those who reject God's offer will deal with that consequence forever. John Corson put it this way, you cannot change your heart, but you can change your mind. Conversely, God can change your heart, but he won't change your mind. Therefore, if I choose to change the way I think about a given situation, God will change my heart to follow suit. But if I do not choose to change my thoughts, God will not change my heart. That is why the wisest man in the face of the earth literally said, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. Friends, will you consider rethinking your position on these things today? What if the Bible really is the only book that tells us about the one and only true God? What if everything Jesus said actually is true and he's the only Savior that there will ever be? Friends, it's God's desire and his design that none of us would miss out. But some within my hearing this morning might be missing out on everything. It's a whispered prayer away. God has provided a way for everyone to have peace with him, not just temporal peace, forever peace. This is profoundly inclusive, not exclusive, as I said before. But following Jesus is different than every other faith on earth in that he sacrificed to get us, as we'll celebrate here at the communion table in a few moments, rather than us sacrificing to get him. Nearly all religions focus on humans trying to reach God. But the gospel of Jesus is God reaching to get us. Close with this true story from some years back. The phone rang at 1 a.m. at the home of Dr. Leo Winters. He was a highly acclaimed Chicago surgeon. Some of you might have read about this years ago. A caller from the hospital said that a young man had been badly mangled in a terrible late-night accident. It was likely that Dr. Winters was the only surgeon skilled enough to save the young boy's life. The quickest route to the hospital took the doctor through a very dangerous neighborhood, and time was critical, so he went that way anyway, knowing the risks. Driving through the worst part of that neighborhood, he came to a stoplight. A man in a gray hat and a dirty flannel shirt jerked open the car door, pulled him out of his seat, and screamed, Give me your car! Winters tried to explain that he was a doctor on an emergency call, but the thief refused to listen. He jumped in the car and sped off. The doctor wandered around for more than 45 minutes trying to find a payphone so he could call a taxi to get to the hospital. When he finally arrived at the hospital, he burst through the doors and went to the nurse's station. The nurse on duty simply shook her head. I'm sorry, doctor, but you're too late. The boy died about 30 minutes ago. His father's in the chapel, if you want to see him. He's awfully upset. He couldn't understand why you never came to help. Dr. Winters hurriedly walked down the hallway and entered the chapel, and weeping at the altar was a man dressed in a dirty flannel shirt and a gray hat. Through tear-blurred eyes, the boy's father looked up at the doctor and in horror realized his tragic mistake. He had foolishly pushed away the only one in the city that could save his son. Friends, to shun Jesus 
is to foolishly reject the only one that can save you. Don't carjack your own salvation by pushing away the one and only Savior the world has ever been given. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you know our condition. You knew we had fallen so far from grace that there was no way we could reach you, no way we could make our way back to you. So you came to us all the way to us and became one of us. And then you laid your life down on the cross to pay the penalty for each and all of our sins so that through you we could be saved. Father, we pray together now for any and all who hear these words of Jesus and are hearing this message that need to receive you, that they might open their hearts and change their minds, that you might change their hearts. May it be so this day, in Jesus' name. Amen.